You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. A lot of time. Back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey, Grump. Another week hold up here at uh, the worldwide headquarters in Manhattan, but we are we are doing fine. Um, if you follow me at the Cranky Fan or know me personally, you may have heard that uh, a a person who is a social media star who lives in my building tested positive for coronavirus, but that person is quarantined. We feel perfectly fine, and we will just ride this out. So thank you for you people who, who've been asking, but we are all good. Yeah. Other than slowly disappearing about behind my ever-growing beard, uh, everything else is the same over here. You know, I'm doing the same thing as well. I am – growing a castaway beard yeah I'm, i mean why stop yeah you know something it's like i'm trying to make lemonades out of all this lemons we have and one of the things i thought would be fun is just how long you know i've always you know if you've known me i always grow pr- playoff beards back when my teams used to make the playoffs so i don't know that scene of a full-grown beard with me with gray hair it's been that long so <laughs> let's see how ugly i can make myself well, there, there's an infamous set of pictures of us from 2011, the uh, the playoff uh, push by the New York Giants as they made it to the Super Bowl, where we attempted to grow mustaches. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I mean, like they were so it was so down to the wire as to whether they were even making the playoffs that we didn't even get to start until week 16. So we only had about like. What, like a month, really? A month and a week going into the yeah, Super Bowl? So. Yeah, I think the longest one I've ever had, I think, was when um, – I think for the Gators, I think in 2008, I started growing it before the SEC game, and it went all the way through the national championship. That was a solid month and a half. Um, the lightning run a few years ago was a nice big one too. But it's been a while since I've – you know, Cranky Fan and Playoffs have been used in the same sentence. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise we are all safe. So you will still hear from us in the coming weeks as you sit at home bored or, you know, maybe you're working from home, but either way on Google play or iTunes, SoundCloud, um, iHeartRadio, Spotify, any of those places, our podcast is still running. And, uh, if you subscribe for free, it will just be ready for you every Tuesday morning. And, you know, if uh, if this gets really long, you know, this kind of stay-at-home policy and we are really bored, you might see some bonus episodes from Grump and I just talking about off-topic things. We argue quite a bit about a lot of things besides football, and maybe just if we're really bored, we'll just hit play and just start talking about something. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you might be in for it. I'm not sure if that's a bonus <laughs> or not. Um, so free agency officially kicked off since our last episode Um, we were able to last episode get a jump on a couple of I guess you consider them handshake agreements uh, because it was in the legal tampering period but not technically free agency yet so we were able to get the jump on our take on the James Bradbury signing and uh, somebody else right I think that's the only one we we, we knew for sure everything else was kind of we were spitballing but i think that was the only one we really talked about yeah um but a lot has happened since then now that being oh oh i'm sorry we got james bradbury and we talked about leonard williams who was tagged um yeah but since then a lot has happened like later that night just as i was going to bed i saw that uh blake martinez was signed inside linebacker blake martinez um formerly of green bay packers and before that was drafted out of, I don't remember, Stanford or something? Something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, not too high on that one, personally. I don't know how you feel about that one. Uh, why are you not high on it? What's your... Uh... He just didn't... You know, in, in the group of guys that were 
out there, it didn't seem like there was a large push by the Giants for anything that I was reading for Corey Littleton or Joe Schobert, who were my top guys. Um, I thought that, that you had a, a shot at two guys who were really, really good on all three downs. Um, Blake Martinez was third on my list, kind of. Um, you know, kind of half and half with Danny Trevathan. He was younger than Danny Trevathan, uh, but I think that Trevathan's a little bit better in coverage. So it kind of was like a take it or, you know, two of one, half a dozen another, I guess. But, you know, Blake Martinez is a solid linebacker. He's got some coverage skills. He finds himself around the ball a little bit, but he didn't seem like a difference maker in a group of guys that can be, you know, uh, difference makers. But nevertheless, I, I'm not down on the move by any stretch of the imagination. We talked about the inside linebacker spot as being probably the biggest spot devoid of talent, um, maybe on the entire roster, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, you know, in my research and stuff, it sounds like he's smart and he could be a leader of the defense, which is something that this defense sorely lacked for the last couple of years, to be very honest. I mean, they brought guys in to try to fit James Betcher's defense, but nobody really stood out as being an absolute leader. In fact, it seemed like seemed like this defense was desperate in the need for having a leader. And, you know, he is 26. He's not terribly old, but he, he you know, seems to fit the profile of being that person. No, that's young. 26 is young. That's yeah. the first contract guy. That's good. Yeah. Um, and I, I will say the contract from what we understand is three years at $30 million is a good deal. Um, it's it's what you would pay a 26 year old inside linebacker coming to for, that's that's a good that's a good deal for both players in the in this situation here the the team and uh, you know the the player himself at 10 million a year so that's that's reasonable we didn't overspend or anything like that you know and I think part of that is that you know the market was kind of still open a little bit at the time. But he will likely pair with Ryan Connolly, we hope, coming off of an ACL. But this move does not really eliminate the need for an inside linebacker. It just kind of brings that need down a little bit. That was like the biggest glaring need. Now it's kind of like, okay, if we have to get by with Ryan Connolly and Blake Martinez this year, that will kind of work. And David Mayo. um, But... We're not talking about a devastating lack of talent anymore, uh, mm-hmm. but does not take us out of the mix from taking somebody like Isaiah Simmons or um, Kenneth Murray. You know, it, it 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 that need is still there and it's still valid to go after um, an inside linebacker guy if he falls to us in the draft. And I, I think you bring up a very important point that you kind of touched on, and it's something that I think everybody has to keep in mind as we're going through. The free agency period and who we got, who we didn't get, what does that mean? I would say other than James uh, Bradbury, not one of these free agent signings that they signed makes really an impact to me on who they're going to pick in the draft. I mean, a lot of these guys are serviceable to decent guys. These are guys that are going to help with overall depth with this. You're getting some talent starting quality, but I don't think any of these signings are going to you know influence one way or another who they're going to use with the fourth pick if they decide to trade down any of these decisions. So I think when every time you're seeing every signing, oh, that means they're obviously going to draft X, or there's no way now they're going to draft Y, I don't think that it's applicable at all in any of this. I mean, the only guy maybe would be James Bradbury, but again, I don't think they're ever going to pick a cornerback in the top four to begin with, or at least unless they trade down, but Keep that in mind, you know, as you're trying to read Dave Gettleman's mind or before you're so quick to bash Dave Gettleman for blowing what you think the draft would be based on your knowledge. Yeah, I mean, you make an excellent point. I I think that is going to be just about every one of these. These moves, other than James Bradbury, all of the moves that were made here are about um, making the holes in this roster a little bit more shallow. They're not about eliminating any holes. And the reason why is because, A, uh, Dave Gettleman is practicing what he's preached, and that is you build your team through the draft. It's the slow way, it's the long way, but it's the right way to get sustained success. And he didn't come here you know, to, to take a run at a title 
and then be done with it. This team wasn't built for that when he got here. He didn't even have the opportunity to do that. There was no way that was going to happen, given the cap structure and everything when he got here. And quite frankly, that's what you people wanted. When we were starting this, you know, when we started really bottoming out with, you know, David Reese and everything, it's, we need to build this roster through the draft. We need to build it the right way. This way of spending a ton is not going to work. So this is what we all wanted. It just takes time. And it's not, and it's not always flashy. Every signing is not a home run swing. There's, you know, I think I said this last week, there'll be singles and doubles that will help you win just as much as getting a home run hitter. Yeah, absolutely. And and we think about the moves that have been made so far. They have shallowed or I would say in certain instances eliminated holes, right? I think by tagging Leonard Williams, I think that defensive tackle spot, and that's a spot we haven't talked about specifically or highlighted just yet, but that spot's pretty solid right there between Lawrence and Tomlinson and uh, you know B.J. Hill, R.J. McIntosh, and Leonard Williams. You now have a really young, you have a a very talented group of guys in that defensive tackle spot. I, I think that, and, and some of them can swing around to end. They can move around all over that line. That spot by tagging Leonard Williams pretty much means we don't have to worry about it this year. Now, if they were to use a later draft pick for future reasons, guys, they want to bring up in the practice squad or just have ride the pine for a year. That's a different story. It's not what we're talking about right here in the, in, the context of this conversation, but that I would say is is pretty much sealed off. I would say the James Bradbury signing also doesn't completely seal off corner, but you know it would take a monumental fall in the draft for somebody really talented like Okuda to, to for them to use draft capital at this point. That really they're really hoping that Baker and Beal and um, James Bradbury are going to solidify that corner spot, and if needed, you know Ballantyne can come in. Otherwise, he's probably more of a slot corner guy. Or, you know, if they're going for that fourth guy in the rotation, that's someone they can always pick up, you know, as a, you know, a cut down guy. I mean, this, True. you know, this is kind of an unspoken thing right now, but we do not know what this offseason is going to look like. I mean, already, you know, there's going to be no rookie uh, mini camp, no OTAs. We don't know how this is going to shake out. You know, we may be on mothballs until August or September. So how these final rosters are ultimately built is really anybody's guess at this time. And you might be able to – there might be some options available that would not normally be available in a normal circumstance. So I think, you know, once we go past, you know, free agents will be over and the draft and then, un, you know, undrafted free agents, it's going to be a little bit of the Wild West, I think, before we actually start playing football, hopefully in September. But – who knows when? Yeah, it, it is going to be a strange offseason. The strangest since, oddly enough, I would say the 2010 uh, season because there was a lockout. Yeah. Um, or th- there's th- the 2011, I'm sorry, not 2010. Um, 2011. Which was the last time a CBA was signed, which is just crazy. That's just a funny coincidence. But... Um, <laughs> So, you know, Blake Martinez, again, that's really just kind of replacing that Alec Ogletree spot. We're, 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 we're getting that deep hole that we have in talent there and making it a little bit more shallow, allows a little bit more flexibility with the rest of free agency, with this draft, with next year's draft, etc. That's what this is about, flexibility. Now, Blake Martinez may actually end up being, two years from now or three years from now, an important piece of this roster as they make a playoff push. That I'm not saying that's not possible or that's not the case. What I'm saying is... He's not a super flashy move, like I said, like a Corey Littleton guy or Joe Schobert who got a five-year deal, you know, with Jacksonville or whoever he signed with. Um, There's another interesting thing too about looking at his contract. You know, it's three years, thirty million, nineteen million of it's guaranteed. So he may not necessarily be that cap casualty in year three that some guys similar who have, you know, more money coming to them would be. True, because it's, it's kind of front-loaded. So. Um, a, a, another linebacker that we, we didn't get the jump on uh, happened after we posted the last episode was Kyler Fackrell from Green Bay. Um, and what's interesting about him is that he and Martinez worked with Patrick Graham when he was their inside linebackers coach and the defensive run game coordinator in 2018. Now, 
Kyler Fackrell, this is, even though he's not a guy that I highlighted, I, I, I just didn't see it as being the move that would be made, but this is a brilliant signing. I mean, one year, less than $5 million for a guy who two years ago had 10.5 sacks for Green Bay. And, you know, you might wonder why he dipped. Well, I mean, Green Bay added two edge rushers, Zadarius and Preston Smith. So mm-hmm. his production dipped just because, you know, he's splitting time with two really high-end players. So for a minimal contract, a one-year deal, Kyler Fackrell comes in for $5 million. Take it. Take it easy. Sure. It's, it's very similar to what was given to Marcus Golden. We can't worry about 2021 until we go through 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, right now it's about just getting talent to get this defense to a position where we could take the next step. And, you know, again, that one-year contract may seem even more genius based upon who we draft. Mm-hmm. If we draft a stud linebacker, maybe his services aren't required and we're not we're not kind of saddled with a contract that would become dead money, you know, in after this year or something. So you're right. I think it's a nice placeholder spot. It's a you know, it's a guy who does have talent who's shown he can rush the passer in the past, something we desperately need. And let's see how he plays out. Yeah, and and once again, fitting with this theme, that would not in any way stop us, especially a one-year deal. But this this is not the kind of guy who is going to stop us from drafting Chase Young or you know name your edge rusher. Uh, mm-hmm. So th- again, this this theme is ongoing. Uh, another another free agent signing that was made is Cameron Fleming, tackle for Dallas Cowboys, and before that, New England Patriots. Now, this I think if you watch any tape on Cam Fleming you'd understand that this is a depth signing, hopefully. We don't want Cameron Fleming to be starting potentially at right tackle. He's a guy who can get away with for a couple of weeks if ne- if, if necessary, three weeks, four weeks. But um, this is not in any way going to impact how we're addressing the tackle position, in my opinion. I think he probably, you know, as of this moment, with the way the roster is, he's probably fighting to be the the starting tackle, right tackle. But you're sure. right. I I think that's you know, yeah, that could be completely different when we get to September. Yeah, and, and that that will in no way affect how we handle the draft or, you know, the funny thing about the tackle position in this free agent cycle, and we'll talk about this next week when we go over tackles, is the free agent pool for it was just not very. Good. I mean, you you have a lot of guys coming off of injury, and a lot of guys that are just older that, that can fall off a cliff at any moment in terms of performance. I mean, Jason Peters, thirty eight years old, actually blows my mind. Fall off a what? Fall off a cliff. You said fall off a quiff. Quiff. <laughs> like, cliff? Cliff? A quiff? Hey, wabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just thought that was funny. Well, you know. Um. <laughs> so you know, Cameron Fleming. We've been preaching this for a long time is that even as they're building a more talented team, it takes even longer than you think because you're getting 53 guys, not you're starting 22. You know, you get great 22 guys starting. You know, congratulations. It took you two and a half years to get 22 guys who are, make a good team. But that doesn't matter because n- no team has 22 guys go uninjured throughout the year. And that's it. You don't want to all of a sudden have no defense between your starters and a guy who could be in the XFL, which we had several people in the last couple of years at various positions who really are borderline players to even be on rosters. And, you know, you want to get away from that. You want an insurance policy. And for $4 million for one year, again, nothing that's going to you know saddle you long term or any dead cap money. This is, and it's someone who has who's familiar with, you know, the Dallas offense. It, it's. Uh, it seems like a no-brainer move. It, it seems like a no-brainer. It's, it's again, don't go from zero to sixty saying, "Wow, this. Why are we wasting time with this? Or this means X or Y? No, 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 no. This is building your foundation. Yeah, and and again, young guy, twenty-seven years old. Um, it's a one-year deal for four million dollars. I, I don't know if we know how that is broken down yet, but. Irrelevant, right? I mean, it's one year, four million dollars. It's a proven deal. Um, yeah, he he may come back next year and be solely in a backup position. Um, 
you know, who knows how much he's going to end up playing this year. That remains to be seen. But, you know, he's he's back there with Nick Gates and Chad Slade behind Nate Solder. It's not a fascinating group of tackles on this team right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ideally he's the kind of talent that you want off your bench. You know, coming right off your bench ready to play for three or four weeks if something bad happens to your right tackle. Um, so, you know, all in all, a good move doesn't affect anything in terms of the long-term plan at all. No. Um, following that, I think the next move was tight end Levine Toilolo uh, from San Francisco, of which I know very, very little. Um, He's tall. Yeah, yeah, big guy. <laughs> Um, you know, described more as a blocking tight end. Um, that's the way he's described. I've seen some clips of him. He's got athleticism to him. He's not he's not a big lumbering lummox. But, you know, he we when we talked about the tight end position, it's very interesting because, you know, we, we mentioned a lot of the stuff that goes on with Evan Ingram. Um, you know, this is now a regime that didn't draft him and a coaching staff that has nothing to do with him, but he is incredibly athletic, and I don't believe that we've seen his particular skill set utilized in a way it should be. You know, um, the way the way other teams and the way announcers and journalists talk about Evan Ingram, it seems like only the previous regime wasn't using him to his maximum potential. You know, so I know we always... We bring up Ingram, we always talk about, well, you know, this GM didn't draft him. This coach didn't, you know, bring him in and everything. But I think his reputation everywhere outside of the Meadowlands complex is a lot greater than it was inside. So I, I'm not really, I'm not at all concerned about Ingram, you know, being on any sort of bubble or on a hot seat because he's not one of uh, Gettleman's boys or something. I think it's the opposite. And, and getting a guy, like I'm going to call him Levine. I'm bad enough with last names as it is. Uh, I think he's a perfect compliment to him. You know, he's going to, you know, he's a blocking guy. It's something that we've needed from this team because this offensive line has been so bad for the last few years. Provide, provide a chip here and there. Do anything. You know, help with the run game. Uh, you know, keep Daniel Jones on his back just a, a half a second more. You know, those are all little things that, you know, a guy like him can provide. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I think Evan Ingram is less a tight end, more of a weapon. Um, he's a mismatch guy. You you add him out there to create a mismatch either between him and a linebacker or free up somebody else because he requires cornerback assistance or safety help or something. That's really where Evan Ingram shines, and his, his blazing speed allows him to be a threat down the middle of the field. And that's what we saw from him at Old Miss. Um, you know... Levine Toilolo, he's your tight end. He can block really well. He's really tall, so he gets your mismatch opportunity. He's not super fast, but he's athletic enough. He's got good enough hands. But he can really pile drive into guys when you need him in goal line situations or just any situation. You know, any time that you have your two tight ends set, you can go out there and hit somebody. And, you know, maybe we don't know what the tight end position means to Jason Garrett because he's had Jason Witten on all of his teams since forever. Um, and he's just kind of been lucky that way. But it would seem to me that the tight end position plays a very important role in Jason Garrett's offense anyway, a true tight end position. Um, right. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Do we know the contract details? On, I, I haven't seen them, I don't two, think. Two years, $6.2 million with a $3.25 million guarantee. So, again, you're talking about three, three million a year, yeah. for next year if you're just going to – 86 them before next season. So it, that's not a that's not a high risk contract at all either. No, we're not we're not shooting so, the t-shirt so, Canada cash in his face. So 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 far there's been a theme mm-hmm. with all of these signings that they are economically sensible. They do not have long-term risk implications going forward in 2021 and beyond. So so far so good if you want to maintain that flexibility because you never know. I mean, this is the team that next year, you know, in 2020 could all of a sudden be 10 and 6, hypothetically, and then your trajectory changes, your build-out plan changes, and you want to have that flexibility to change on the fly. 
So I, I think this is now the odds of us going 10 and six are not as likely as I'd like them to be, but there is that potential, but you want to maintain that flexibility that if you need to change course and say, we're now in a position we can kind of start thinking about going for it, we can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, boy, what I'd give for a 10 and six season. Anyway, um, <laughs> what I'd give for a season. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, the Giants made a move and grabbed Nate Ebner, uh, safety, I believe, from New England as well, right? That's correct. Mostly a special teams guy. Um, this seems to be um, a like kind of that Michael Thomas role um, of, yeah. of your, your special teams ace, perhaps your special teams captain, uh, can provide defensive help if necessary, but really... His job is to be the leader of that special teams group, and he's obviously got uh, familiarity with Joe Judge. It's just something else, another word we've used for a second time now, leader. Yeah. You know, we, we mentioned how um, we, we thought Blake Martinez could be a leader in the linebacking core. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about a potential leader in the special teams. And Joe Judge has said in you know the limited press conferences he's given so far, that he's looking to teach. He wants to teach players and stuff and learn. So this is a team that's really being built from the bottom up and needs that learning and teaching. So having leaders to help with that, especially who have ties back to him, is very good. Special teams is that third phase of the game that people don't think about when you get excited for free agency. Um, but those are, those are the moves. You know... I, I always think back to the 2011 NFC Championship game, and you're really talking about two main plays to that game, and that is a heads-up play um, by Devin Thomas to recognize a, a muffed punt and to recover it when it bounces off of what's-his-face's knee, and then an <laughs> overtime special teams play where you have Jaquan Williams punch out a ball and it's recovered again by Devin Thomas. Those guys, Jaquan Williams and Devin Thomas, are not names that you remember going through the years, especially Devin Thomas. Sure. Um, but they were key acquisitions. On the, They were acquisitions that without that, that Super Bowl probably doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, well, that goes back to Joe Judge, and that's you know, what his lineage is, is a special teams guy. He understands the importance of it. He understands, you know, he could see a whole roster and see who the guys are that would best fit for special teams, too. So he has an awareness of talent looking at everybody that maybe some people don't look at in the same way. And that might be a positive for us as well. Mm -hmm. And that moves on to probably the most interesting, I would say, of, of free agent moves. And that was for Colt McCoy. Um. Well, now I'm trying to remember. It seems like ages ago, but he played for Texas, right? He played for Texas. That is correct. I believe he replaced Vince Young. I mean, does he go back that far back? That's crazy. And he came in, you know, he was a great college quarterback. He came in second in the Heisman. Mm-hmm. His, his junior year, he was third in the Heisman his senior year. Uh, you know, just one of these kind of destined to be a journeyman like you know uh i know everything goes back to me in florida but he was kind of like a um shane math you know was probably the best quarterback in his conference at the time but you knew would never be an nfl starter but hung around the league for 10 years and that's kind of what colt mccoy has done yeah you know i had higher hopes for him uh unfortunately he was drafted by cleveland so he was destined to die immediately all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, and it really is, you know, he he was thrown into it too early. You know, he, you knew coming out of Texas and the offense he was in, he didn't have a big gun for an arm. He was going to be kind of a game manager quarterback, but he could do it. You know, he could win games for you. But throwing him right into the fire on a bad roster, is, he's not the kind of guy that's going to turn around a franchise like that. And to top it all off, he had the – you know, I think it was his rookie year where it came out later that he played after being severely concussed against mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, and that his career just went straight down from there. Because you know, 
relationship between him and the franchise went downhill, and, and um, you know, then he just right. kind of bounced around the league. However, this I was surprised to see Giants fans not happy about. I mean, we've spent you know how long now listening to arguments about how Alex Tanny is a wasted roster space and this, that, and the other thing because he's completely useless if he ever goes on the field. Now we have a backup quarterback, a true backup quarterback, a former number one pick, almost a Heisman winner, you know, a guy with talent that can get you through a game or two. And he's not Tom Brady, so... We... We picked up our option on Alex Tanney. So right now we have three signed quarterbacks in camp. In camp, so, yeah. I mean, and you know, looking at Colt McCoy's, um, you know, one year, two point two five million. That's a million and a half guaranteed. Um, that seems like numbers. Like he's going to be the favorite to stay. So I, I'm not sure what were what was uh, Tanney's um, number when they picked up his option. Uh, his cap hits a million bucks. All right. So, I mean, they kind of hedged a little bit. So, you know, at least it's going to be a million dollars unless they keep both quarterbacks. And when you have a very young starting quarterback, is that the worst thing in the world to have a little more crowded quarterback room with guys who've been around the league in different capacities? You Not know, McCoy is actually he's played more than Tanny, but they both bring different perspectives to preparation. Uh, you know, film study, scout teamness, things like that. So, I wouldn't be surprised if we go with three quarterbacks on this roster. No, now, me either. That's a discussion about is that necessary with all the needs on the team or anything. But you know, th- that's relatively not chump change that's been invested on two backups who ideally would never get on the field. Right, but I mean, when we talk about um, Colt McCoy versus Alex Tanney. I think Colt McCoy has more career passes in his first game than Alex Tanny oh, yeah. does otherwise. So, I mean, when but it they, comes to what he brings to the table for a million and a half, it, it's not even close. It, it, he brings something. I, I think even if they keep all three guys, he's probably going to be the first guy off the bench. And it, this sounds to me like a Jason Garrett kind of move. Well, um, this this sounds like a move where – if um, Daniel Jones is struggling, mm-hmm. struggling, not hurt, but struggling, they can bring a Colt McCoy in and play a little bit. They're not doing that if Alex Tanney is the backup quarterback. Well, that's definitely if, true, yeah. Right. If, 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 if um, Daniel Jones gets hurt, Alex Tanney would go in and be like, well, he has to play, and that's the, you know, we might be bigger problems. But if there's something where he's still young, he's still figuring things out, he's just playing awful and they make the decision, you know, maybe late in the game of a blowout or something, they, they would feel more comfortable of bringing him in for, for this situation. Yeah. But they, 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 they do see something still in Tanny where again, a whole new coaching uh, staff is in here and they spent the money to keep him. So there's something they find value in him as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And they had enough value to keep him in the rotation last year when you have, you know, a future Hall of Famer as your backup. So exactly right. Um, I do think that there is some downplaying of what Alex Tanny brings to the table. You know what that is behind closed doors. I don't know, but I also know that there are not that many silly people in one organization that let that go. Um, so you know, we'll see. It might be that we have a three quarterback rotation next year again. It could be. Well, oh, then what happens, of course, if we somehow trade up or somehow uh, two it falls and we trap two of us? So <laughs> well, we, we know, who knows what happens with that quarterback room? <laughs> I guess that's a fair enough point. I won't I won't <laughs> expect that to happen. Yeah, let's not go to Vegas with that one. But mm-hmm. uh, um, following that, the Giants made a move that I kind of expected them to make, and that was they re-signed Corey Coleman to a one-year deal. Um, I don't believe the contract details for that were out either um, because that only happened today. But again, this is a guy who like literally not long ago, was it like maybe two, three years ago, was a first-round draft pick. Never really gained traction with a Browns organization that's you know kind of in turmoil. Um, Went to Buffalo and didn't hang around for very long. 
New England for maybe a couple days and then wound up here. And he was gaining some momentum here. You know, for a guy who was trying to learn the offense in the middle of the season, he was starting to see his reps increase. And he had especially, um, he was the only reliable punt kick, kick returner that this team had at that time. And it might still be the case, to be honest. Um, and I think there was a lot of buzz about him getting that full off season and coming into next year and unfortunately towards ACL very early on in the spring. So, you know, low cost, you know, low risk. He joins a wide receiver group that has, you know, as you described, a lot of twos and threes and no ones. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's uh, the term is not available, so you don't know what the investment is. I think it's just if he has an outstanding camp and looks like he's completely recovered from the ACL, you know, you, you, you keep him. Mm-hmm. If not, you know, no harm, no foul. You give him a shot. And last and most latest, um, the Giants signed a one-year deal. Uh, um, one-year deal? I think it's a one-year deal. One-year deal. I know if you were talking about – Dion Lewis, running back yeah. Dion Lewis. Um, Dion Lewis is, I think, probably uh, the smartest of these – kind of moves. Now we talk about shallowing holes and not trying to fill them. Uh, this one might actually fill it for now. Uh, th- this th- We talked about the running back group was like one of the first things that we did when we started spotlighting positions. You know, Saquon Barkley is, you know, he's the guy, he's the franchise, he's the safest guy in the roster. Um, but... <laughs> We saw what can happen when he's not available due to injury, which was like the first time in his life he was ever not able to play due to injury. And then it seemed to be that he played for a a number of weeks at probably less than 80% health. Right. Um, And what kind of compliment that he needs. And there they went out and got a veteran guy who excels on passing downs, both receiving the ball and protecting the quarterback. One of Barkley's weaknesses. So this, to me, is a very smart signing. And when you talk about a coach that likes teachers, if he thinks that Deion Lewis is a teacher type, then he should be able to mentor or help the coaches mentor and move along Saquon Barkley in that one area where he is not elite, and that's pass protection. And you're talking about like hole fillers and upgrading the uh, the tide of talent. You know, I know people like Wayne Gallman; they want to see him get a chance, but. Deion Lewis does a lot more of what the Giants need from that backup running back role than Wayne Gallman can. So there are a million Wayne Gallmans out there. There's maybe only a hundred Deion Lewises, but that's what we need more at this time for that position. Now, one of the things that I've seen is that the criticism of this move is that it reminds a lot of people of Shane Vereen signing by Jerry Reese. I'm going to point out the one glaring difference in that. And, and I understand it, right? I mean, it's this is a, an older running back who is plus receiving and didn't pan out. And, you know, Deion Lewis is not a superstar anymore. Shane Vereen signed a three-year deal worth almost $12.5 million. I do not believe Deion Lewis's one-year contract with this team is going to approach anything close to $12.5 million. So... There's your big difference. If he turns out to be the way Shane Vereen was for us, and that was, you know, kind of a bummer, you know, don't expect much from him, but, you know, he he can provide something, then we got him at cost, you know? So, fine. Low risk, low penalty, you know? It's also tempering what your expectations are for this role. I mean, you know... All of a sudden, because we got a second running back, everybody's going to go back to, oh, remember Thunder and Lightning? Oh, remember, you know, mm-hmm. uh, relax. I mean, that's not why they got him. I mean, yeah, his job is to give um, Barkley, Barkley, a blow. Barkley, Barkley a spell, exactly, to provide a little different type of weapon out of the backfield. Uh, you know, but that's it. They're not expecting him to get a thousand yards. They're not expecting him to have average eighty yards receiving a game. His his job is to have seven to ten, and that might even be aggressive, quality touches of the ball. That's it. And if he can't do that, expendable. We we don't know the terms of the of the contract, but again, it's not a 
to your point, a drain on the on the salary cap for this year or, or dead money going forward. Yeah, it's it's nothing going forward. Like you said, like there there's there's no obligation to stick with him if he doesn't pan out. So I mean, you could even view this minimally as competition for Wayne Gallman. I don't really think that's what this is, but if that's the wor- if that's the the best you get out of this is that DL Lewis comes in and Wayne Gallman works his ass off to beat him out in camp, then so be it. I mean, you didn't spend a lot to do it, so yeah. And also, this doesn't mean they're cutting Wayne Gallman today. I mean, this also this means they're going to have a little more crowded running back room, and and, and let's see what happens in uh, in fall camp. One more thing about Dion Lewis is I I believe he has some decent special teams ability in uh, returning kicks. So again, I, I mentioned this like 30 seconds ago. I'm mentioning it again. This team hasn't had somebody who can reliably seem to catch the fucking ball when it's in the air and not fumble it for like the last three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, so experience there, that's super important. Let let me ask you as we've gone through these free agents really quick, just on the people we have signed in the last you know seven days. Them versus the replacement of the people who they're replacing on the roster, has this roster improved from last year? Overall. I would have to say no. I think that they have on the for the most part, on the cheap, well, I'll say no. I'll say no. Um, when you look at it, I think you've, they've done a good job of replacing the talent that has left. Um, no matter what that talent was, with free agents, right? Blake Martinez, I would say, is 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 a little bit better than Alec Ogletree. I would say James Bradbury is a little bit worse than Janoris Jenkins when he's actually playing. Um, you know, Leonard Williams is already Leonard Williams. Uh, Cam Fleming is probably a little bit worse than Mike Remmers. Corey Coleman is him, himself. Dion Lewis is an upgrade, I would say, in the running back room. Colt McCoy is not Eli Manning, that's for sure. Nate Ebner, Michael Thomas, flip a coin. Levine Toilolo, I, I, I don't want to make a judgment on because I think it remains to be seen. Kyler Fackerel and Marcus Golden. Again, you know, one-year deal, low amount of money, has high upside, you know, same same situation, kind of. You know, two years ago, had double-digit sacks, then had an off year. For Marcus Golden, it was due to injury. For Kyler Fackrell, it was because he wasn't playing as much. So, having said that, what do you say to the anti-Gettlemaners that are out there that think that this free agent class was a bust, considering that for the last year, we've been told we're going to have all this cap money, all this cap money, all this space. Um, you know, it's a little disappointing. It's not very flashy, but I I think that that is probably, I don't think that I would have made very many different moves, you know, personally. We we can quibble over Leonard Williams and, uh, you know, perhaps you'd get a different inside uh. linebacker, but. En- enough of the fucking Leonard Williams no, arguments. It, I mean, it really, I mean, it, it really, it, it's. It's so ridiculous. I mean, I feel like there's been more argument and debate over that or whether Brady should have returned to New England or not. I mean, uh, but okay. But but besides that, so besides that, I think if you're trying to build this team through the draft and just supplement it with free agency, I think this was a fine class of guys to get. You know, the draft is where it's really going to matter as to whether or not this team is going to get better or not. Um, We've seen... What happens when we spend a lot in, in free agency and what it gets you? Um, and quite frankly, none of those guys are on this team anymore, and none of them are really doing spectacular where they've wound up. Olivier Vernon was a bust signing. We threw money at him, and he was paid like the edge rusher he never became, period. And, you know, that was what the market dictated he would be, and that's fine, but Ultimately, the Giants are the ones that lost out on that deal. JPP, you know, it had to be done. There was no other way to keep him. He's not here anymore. And lo and behold, he broke his neck in a car accident or something last year. Well, that was post. That was post Giants. That you can't factor that. No, I'm, I'm just saying. You know, as as all these guys, they've moved on. Olivier Vernon is still jack shit in, in Cleveland. Uh, Damon Harrison barely even played in Detroit. 
he can't stay healthy. I think he was hurt, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, Janoris Jenkins left this team, went to New Orleans, where you'd think that they would be able to make a run with him back there, and they didn't. Um, and uh, so, you know, so JPP I guess my, in Tampa Bay, you know. So my next question then, I guess, is was it worth it to dump all those guys with the expectation we'll have this cap money when – now I get it. We can probably roll over that cap space into 2021 because they're not, you know, we'll have it available. But uh, you know, we were kind of the the thinking was we're gonna have some short term pain by bringing down this roster by getting rid of these high pay guys, and a lot of fans are gonna say, "Wait a minute, what was our return for doing that? Why didn't we just keep snacks around a little while longer so we didn't bottom out as badly as we did?" Because we're not using that free agent money now. Well, I mean, why didn't we keep snacks? He didn't really... I think as, as an example, I mean, again, you don't know, you don't know if you got hurt. I'm just saying, why did they do the the, the, the roster purge of high price guys when we really haven't, you know, used the money yet? I'm trying to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, but no, and it's fair. I, you know, this was not we had a lot of money and we didn't use it to to sign any flashy name guys. I think the the best signing. In terms of projected into the future building block guy for the team is James Bradbury, um, and I think he's a really good player. I have been following him since his time in Sanford, but he's not a name guy that people were going. So I think it's fair for people to be upset about that. But I think that again, you are using this free agent money to cover and shallow as many holes as possible, so that you can fill those holes with draft picks. And we still have a lot of draft picks, and we're still planning on using them to fill holes the correct way where you get guys to be this team on low contracts and those low contracts are going to keep coming to allow more and more free agent space to sign guys like James Bradbury here and there through the years and have room to re-sign guys like Daniel Jones and, and Saquon Barkley as they come up on their contracts yeah I mean I, I, I am with you with this I know I was playing a bit of devil's advocate but these are hard arguments to try to convince people that are never Gettlemaners or people are just on the fence with this that, you know, progress is being made. I mean, they're all they're right. They're not flashy. They're things that have to be done. But, you know, people, I mean, a lot of Giant fans were pissed when we started the purge. And they're not going to see in their minds that tangible quid for quo when, you know, I had all these guys that were pretty good. Now we suck. And what do I have in return for it? So it's just, you know, and it's something, again, I don't think the ownership really worries about the public opinion polls of Dave Gettleman, but you know, the drumbeat is going to be louder of people just being pissed. And I just hope that, you know, we stay the course of what we're doing and it is not cut short because the drumbeat becomes overbearing. Yeah, and I understand that. And and to be honest, this was an underwhelming group for me even. Uh, like I said, I, I was supremely disappointed by the Blake Martinez thing. It's not a bad signing. I was just disappointed because I thought there were options there that could be building blocks into the future. And, um, and, and this is a perfect segue. What you just said is something that let's remind – all of the giant fans out there that think this is all Dave Gettleman's fault. Let me remind you what free agency is or what free agency is not. Free agency is not Dave Gettleman going into the supermarket with his shopping cart and picking whoever he wants off the shelf. Free agency is the right of a player not under contract to sign with whoever he wants to. You know, Dave Gettleman is competing with 31 other GMs, up to 31 other GMs, who want the same players. It's a question of how much is he willing to spend? How, you know, what is the priority of getting somebody? You know, one man's garbage is another man's gold. He might might look at a skill set of one player. It's different than the way another GM does or different than the way you do because you read one article somewhere. I'm talking about you, the listener, not you, Grump. So don't look at free agency as 
why didn't he make why did he sign this guy when this guy was a free agent because you have no idea our interest level their interest level if an attempt was made or not and i think it just needs a reminder because people too often look at i didn't get what i want on my christmas list and it's santa claus's fault and it's not always you're right and quite frankly in addition to fighting with 31 other teams, he's also going to fight things he can't help, like state taxes. Um, Joe Schobert signs a five-year deal in the state of Florida. Um, It's just not the same situation as it is in New York. It just isn't. Uh, So, you know, that also kind of plays into it. And he's not going to throw money around at this juncture of the state of the team to get them to be competitive because they are not ready to be competitive yet. So, and, and here's a little thing also that a little dirty secret that not every player in the NFL, professional football player, is making decisions purely for winning a Super Bowl. Like to your point, some states have no state income tax. There's more money to be made. These guys have a limited shelf life, how much money they can make. So just because you're a Giant fan does that not make the Giants – the Giants from a team with a very high state income tax and a very shitty record does not make them the most attractive team of the 32. So let's just, at, at this point, kind of, you know, this, the earth revolves around the sun. It doesn't revolve around the Giants. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where we're at now after a week of free agency. The Giants have made several moves. They've shallowed a bunch of holes. I feel a lot more confident going into the draft. Like, there are fewer positions of need that of dire need I'll say um, all the positions of need haven't changed like we said all these holes are still holes they're just not as desperate you know if they have to roll with uh, um, a, a tight end group of Caden Smith Levine Toilolo and Evan Ingram they can roll with that and be perfectly fine playing with that as long as they've beefed up the other spots you know, if their safety room is Jabril Peppers and Julian Love and Nate Ebner is back there too, okay, it, it with Sean Chandler, that's not an ideal group of backups, but their backups, you know, they're we're not relying on a, a gap anymore. Ryan Connolly and Blake Martinez is a lot better than Ryan Connolly and nobody. So, well, I mean, the the safety net of talent is there now, where it wasn't before. You're going to go into the draft looking to get the difference makers, the difference makers who will be with this team for years to come. That's what the draft provides for you. So, I mean, we've done an adequate job of, you know, fortifying that safety net that, you know, so we don't have to get guys off the street, that we don't have to get fringe NFL players anymore. Now we go, you know, now we go to the bar. Now we look at top shelf, you know, now we're looking at the uh, you know the the good liquor, <laughs> the top shelf. Exactly, <laughs> the McCallum twenties. That's you, what we're looking for now. You can see where the quarantine is driving the both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, um, you know, non-giant news, sort of. Tom Brady finally leaves New England and signs with Tampa Bay. Kind of segues into you know perhaps. You know, they're a competing team, but also he doesn't have to pay taxes on his $50 million a year deal. <laughs> I don't think Tom Brady went to the Bucks solely for the income tax. No. <laughs> I, I really think this was, you know, it, it was as simple as if you follow the Patriots for the last 15 years, they don't pay for past achievement. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm a little surprised that there was an exception for Tom Brady, but you know, Bill Belichick is not, he's not Eric Clapton still making his 40th album and the 35th one of irrelevant. He's still trying to make albums to be relevant. He's still trying to win Super Bowls, And now he has to do some, you know, rebuilding of this team. And if I was Bill Belichick, I think I would have done the same thing. You know, I, I understand the importance of Tom Brady to the Patriots. I don't think there has been a player in NFL history that has meant more to his team than Tom Brady has to the Patriots. 
I mean, basically from the second he took over mm-hmm. uh, in 2001 until, you know, 17 games after his last Super Bowl, I mean, he's been the biggest difference. Uh, but, you know, in the NFL, as, as you've, we've learned, if you don't manage your cap right, you could be hosed. And we're not talking about getting a linebacker for $6 million. We're talking about a quarterback that, you know, we're talking in, in the 30s for multiple years is what he got. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of shocking. But if you think about it, the way the Patriots have, have run themselves, it's not that shocking. Yeah. And, and how in any way does this um, affect the Giants next year? Well, quite simply, they play Tampa Bay. And the NFL loves to schedule games that generate headlines and generate viewership. And nothing will really generate viewership like Tom Brady going to MetLife Stadium. Especially if... if a it, new team. Yeah, a new team. Um, it, it just... <laughs> It, it writes itself. So we may be seeing a year perhaps where we don't start the year in Dallas. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think his first game will be against uh, – his first game won't be on the road at MetLife. I, I think the – I think this It'll be a Monday be, night game though. I think it will be a Sunday night game. Okay. I mean, I mean that, that, that's got NBC written all over it. I mean I think that, you know – the super marquee games which will have those Sunday night games will be when he, when they play Green Bay, when they play Kansas City, which they play both of them this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know those those are a little more marquee than us, but I think that certainly gets us. I, I I think when the schedule does come out, we are going to have three primetime games. I think that the Bucks game and uh, Dallas are locks for. Sunday or Monday, I think we play Philly will be another Thursday night game again. I mean, they're just, we are a dog. Philly is eh, but they generate big ratings. And I, I could see us getting the three and, you know, based on how we play, maybe get flexed later on in the season. But uh, yeah, I mean, you could put this one, we do always do our picks in the off season for schedule of, you know, in pencil or pen. Put this one in the fattest magic marker you have. This will be a Sunday night game. <laughs> yeah. I'll also say it's going to be a loss. <laughs> well, let's talk for one second about Tampa Bay, though. I mean, we saw them last year. You know, We saw Jameis Winston last year. That's true, but we're also not seeing 2006 Tom Brady yeah, either. Yeah, but I don't think there's anybody – Jameis Winston throws interceptions like, you know, like, like we're all washing our hands now. So. That's true, but it's they still have a questionable offensive line. They still have a very questionable secondary. I mean, they're, the secondary is bad. I think their offensive line is okay. I, I think they have great receivers. I think it's enough for Tom Brady to work with with Bruce Arians. So that's why I think, yeah, it, this is a deadly combo. It's, it's, it could be. I mean, I, I think they could be a. I think they're a wild card playoff team next year. I don't think they are. You know. I don't think they're a division winner. I don't think they're in line for a home field or anything. They'll be better than they were. I just – let's not pencil in Tom Brady being Tom Brady. Let's see it. He is going to be 43. Well, that's fair. He is learning a new offense. You know, He has to learn new receivers. And I, I get it. He gets quite a bit of turnover with receivers to England, but things are different. So he's he's playing on grass as opposed to playing on turf for the last – I mean little things are different. So let's hold off on that. You know, of course, nothing would be more Bucksy than Tom Brady finally going to the Bucks, the Super Bowl being in Tampa this year, and this fucking virus thing wipes out the season and they get hosed. <laughs> don't even joke about it. I don't know what I would do for a whole year. I would say, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. No, don't Sorry. joke about it. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, that is it for this week. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, where I cover these things a little bit more closely and um, kind of give my take as things are happening a little bit more live and raw than uh, on here where I do a little bit of prep work. <laughs> Catch me as always at the cranky fan where I do no prep work. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I am, uh, I really don't have that much to talk about 
right now, other than, you know, the, the upcoming draft and the giant situation, um, just trying to wait for things to start up again and things will start up again. You know, it may, may not be the week or so that some of our fearless leaders have been talking about, but even if it takes a couple of weeks, if it takes a couple of months, life will get back to normal at some point. So just kind of hang in there. I mean, I compare this to the Blitz in London, and we're just sitting around here, you know, on Netflix as opposed to those people having bombs every night. So this will get better. This too shall pass, and we will have real life again. But, uh, you know, listen to our show. Listen to all the other great giant podcasts that are out there. There's a ton of them that are really good. Yeah. Uh, listen to uh, different shows about the NFL, about the sports, pop culture. Read a book. Get acquainted with your family again. I don't know. From uh, a distance. From a distance, exactly. So, uh, you know, I know our calendar is booked with uh, video happy hours this week and stuff. So do that. Just, uh, just hang in there. We'll, we'll get through this together. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants. <laughs>